The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. Hello and welcome back to The Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. Hope you're all well. Actually had a good week running-wise. Hit the magic 50 miles for the week. And had a race yesterday, so I'm recording this on Monday night, on Bank Holiday Monday night. I had the John Tracy Dungarvan 10-mile race, which is one of the best 10-mile races in the country, I think. Perfect conditions on Sunday morning. No wind. Sun was shining. And I did something that I have never done really since I took up running again about four or five years ago. I went and I ran the race as if it was a training, a training run. So I ran it at marathon pace or what I hope will be marathon pace in around, it was like seven minutes, 10 seconds or 20 seconds per mile, something like that. So I finished it around 72 minutes and I ran with two club mates and we had great crack. We just chatted, soaked up the atmosphere talk to people who passed us out and had a really different race experience and there's a lot to be said for just going along and enjoying the event and I was totally relaxed beforehand like sometimes you get a bit jittery I'm well known for tying my shoelaces about 10 times before a race it's kind of a nervous tick so yesterday in Dungarvan because I didn't put any expectations on myself and I knew I was just treating it as a training run I did two miles before and a couple of miles after I was just so relaxed and what I noticed was that it really impacted on my breathing I think sometimes in races it can take a little while for your breathing to adjust in that first couple of hundred yards or even half a mile and it's probably nerves it's the adrenaline it's the occasion it's bit of anxiety whereas yesterday I was just totally relaxed breathing wasn't impacted I didn't have to pay any attention to it what I'm trying to say is I kind of learned a lot yesterday even though I was just going along for the for the bit of crack we did get the bus up I mentioned last week we'd be getting the bus and our coach Aidan didn't give us his version of bad out of hell so we were sort of spared that at least he's the fellow who'd shout 800 meters to go and there definitely isn't 800 meters to go (laughs) That was the week that was, so now, I, um, now I'm now i heading towards five tough enough weeks in terms of a marathon training block. In terms of our long runs, I mean, the mileage will be somewhere between 50 and 60 miles a week for the next five weeks. And then the long runs this weekend coming is 16, then we have 20 the week after, 22 the week after that, 22 and then back down to 20. So five tough enough weeks coming up over the next few weeks. But as I told you, I really like this part of it. Even more so than the actual race. I love the process of it. I love having the structure. And I love knocking each run off the spreadsheet on the kitchen wall. How sad am I? There you go. This week, we're going to have two people contribute, as we have done over the past three weeks. First up will be Patrick Carl. He is has got a website, runningbuddytraining.com. And he also has a really good app, which he says simplifies strength training for runners. So Patrick Carl is going to be first up. He's going to talk a little bit about strength and conditioning. He also comes out from a physio background. He's a trained physiotherapist. He works as a physio. And he's a pretty decent runner himself. He broke 60 minutes uh, down in Dungarvan for 10 miles. So he's got a couple of interesting angles, I think, 
gives some clear, simple advice, strength and conditioning at home or in the gym, just something to complement your running. And then um, we will have Dr. Mally Coyne, an old friend of mine, who's a clinical psychologist and is an author. And she's going to talk about how important our minds are in terms of our performance. I thought it was worthwhile early on in this series to to delve into into that a little bit because so much of the physical battle begins in our heads and ends in our heads and we got to win that battle first I think before you you take on the physical battle particularly with long distance running so Dr Mally Coyne will be second up but as I said first up Patrick Carroll runningbodytraining.com is his website and he has a really good app which simplifies strength training for runners. We met in the Anytime Fitness Gym in Balancolic where he works out of. He also works out of a clinic nearby as a physio. And we just try to chat it through as you'll hear the basics of a really good strength and conditioning routine. He calls himself a competitive recreational runner, which I quite like. I began with a confession. I am either your worst nightmare or I'm your ideal um, client because I don't do any strength and conditioning. Really? Why is that? I'm not a gym person. Okay. And I probably just don't have the patience to do it at home, but I know it's probably essential and I need to introduce it. Okay. I think you speak for a lot of people there, to be honest, because there definitely has been an awareness develop over the last, I'd say, four or five years that you are missing out a small bit if all you're doing is running. You hit the nail on the head there. A lot of people just don't want to go to a gym. It can be an environment that's, you know, fairly intimidating. There's all sorts of equipment. And another thing that regularly comes up is, like, where does it fit? Uh, running, we'll, we have to admit, is, is pretty time-consuming. And for somebody who's running quite regularly, so how much time should they be spending on strength and conditioning and why? Yeah, it, it, it's a key question. So I've basically boiled it down to trying to have a couple of pretty short sessions. I think you can get a good quality running specific gym session done in, in 30 minutes. Okay. And that, that's including a short warm up, picking main muscle groups and doing good quality work within that 30 minutes. Two to three times a week. Yeah, I think that's spot on. What's that gonna do for me? That's, that, that, <laughs> that, that's the, the next big question like, isn't it? So there's two angles you can take and the most convincing one really, even if we're thinking about the, the actual evidence base and the research is, it, it does help with running performance. So a, a phrase that we've probably all come across is running economy. Running economy essentially is the amount of energy that you're expending running at a certain speed. If we increase our maximum muscle strength when we're running at this given speed, we don't have to use as much of that muscle strength so it doesn't cost us as much energy. Mm-hmm. And essentially, th- that improves the speed you can run at, uh, which is what we're all after at the end of the day. The other kind of things that have to be considered as well are the, the injury side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, a slightly contentious issue when we're thinking in the evidence base, there's not perfect randomized control trials telling us it imp- reduces your likelihood of injury by X, Y, or Z percent. But theoretically, there's a pretty good agreement between experts in the field that if you're doing strength-based training, that stands to you. It improves the capacity of the tissues. Yeah, I suppose what my concern is as someone who's running six days a week is that if I'm doing two gym sessions a week that my legs will be tired. Like with clever programming, 
you, you can definitely minimize the carryover of fatigue from the strength sessions into the gym sessions. Okay, so two to three sessions a week now, and for someone who, who doesn't have access to a gym, can you do it at home? You can, definitely. To be honest, there's lots of benefits out there, even with body weight sessions, particularly if it's something you haven't done much before. But by manipulating different angles and positions and picking the right kinds of exercises, you can definitely challenge muscles and tendons as much as you need to. Okay, and we'll go through a couple of those exercises in a minute. Um, you're also a physiotherapist. That's right. So what are the common injuries you see runners presenting with? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a broad enough range, to be honest, but I suppose top of the list is, is in the lower leg. So you see a lot of calf tears, calf strains, uh, Achilles tendinopathy is pretty common. And then coming further up the leg, like pain around the front of the knee is pretty common. And what you see a lot of the time, if people are trying to increase some of the speed they're running at, you see more hamstring strains or things like proximal hamstring tendinopathies. Where are you on foam rolling? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Big questions. Because I'll tell you why, I always thought slow foam rolling over certain parts of of my legs was doing great work until I read a peer-reviewed study recently, which kind of didn't really come to any conclusions. Yeah. Okay, like my kind of take on it, I suppose what I do myself probably says a lot and I I honestly haven't been on a foam roller in seven or eight years, I think. Uh, And it's not something I'd be recommending in the physio clinic a whole lot. Uh, My kind of consensus on it would be if it's something you like doing, if you feel good after it, belt away. But I don't see any real need for anyone to to have to do it. Um, I think you'd get as much benefit out of an easy mobility session or some gentle moving around as opposed to torturing yourself on a device like that. Um, okay, so those injuries you're seeing, is there any common thread then? Are people upping the miles too quickly? Like what are the kind of common classic mistakes you're seeing? Yeah, I think it really comes back to the same few things all the time. And the, the phrase you hear is, is training error. So we're all guilty of it and probably don't like to admit it but when we examine training logs and when I chat to people about what's led up to the injury you can usually pick out a spike in you know weekly mileage the amount of intensity in the week or adding something new so like bringing in work on hills uh, or trying uh, quicker exercises basically like adding strides they haven't done before and you can usually unpick it pretty quickly there. Interesting. So, so someone, let's say for the next few weeks, someone's going to try adding something at home, 20, 30 minutes, two or three times a week. What would you be suggesting? Yeah, so to answer that question, the first thing we have a look at is essentially a needs analysis of the sport. So we know that when we're running, the, the lower limbs do the bulk of the work. And within that, even the lower part of the leg probably does the bulk of that. So your gastroc muscles, your soleus, and your Achilles tendon are your key contributors to actually propel you forward. So we know we need to cover work for those. And as we move higher up the leg, we know that the quad does a lot of work. And as you start moving at higher speeds, the hamstring and glute comes into things a little bit more. We know that when we're running, the foot's only in contact with the ground for about a quarter of a second. So we want to be able to develop force quickly, and we also want to be able to develop as much force as possible. So with those in mind, that that dictates your your exercise selection. 
Um, so the way I like to set a session up is to have some sort of easy mobility work, essentially a warm up. Um, that could be something you're previously comfortable with. It could be five squats, five lunges, hip hinges, a couple of double leg heel raises, two rounds of that might take four or five minutes and you're ready to go. Um, I usually like to include some sort of plyometric style exercise early in the session. What's that? Yeah, so anything where we rely on what's known as the stretch shorten cycle. So typically related to, to tendons. So we know that they have really good capacity to store and release energy. So if you think of something like hopping, skipping, jumping, they're pretty much your plyometric menu that you choose from. So something like a, a double leg pogo, sub-maximal intensity. So jumping up be, and down on two legs. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Trying to keep your heels off the ground, uh, you're on the forefoot and in your head you're thinking of trying to spend as little time on the ground as possible. And you're doing it continuous, you're not stopping. Exactly, yeah. that's it. Very interesting, okay, so from there then what else would I throw in? Double leg exercises are probably your best bet. Something like a, a split squat would be really nice. So you're setting up, it looks like a, a lunge position. So you have one leg in front, you're on the ball of the foot and the back leg. And then the easiest cue for the exercise is that you're lowering your back knee towards the ground. Okay. Uh, you can keep your trunk pretty upright yeah. and then you're back up to where you started. And some people might do that and have a kettlebell or a weight in either hand. Yeah, that'd be spot on. If you are pretty comfortable with the movement, you're, you're confident with it, adding external resistance to it is exactly what you want to be doing. We need to focus on the things that you can't get from running. Okay. So we know when we're running, that's covering all our like endurance-based needs. So if we're making the effort to do a session at home or come to a gym, we need to be picking exercises that challenge the maximal force production efforts. So, so it's exercises that are quite tough to do and they force you to recruit more muscle fiber essentially and to do it at quicker rates than you do when you're running. That's really where the benefits lie. I might give that a go so over the next 10 weeks. What happens in 10 weeks if I don't feel any different? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back to you. There's my PB sorted yeah, now for exactly. Rotterdam. That's in the bag. Yeah. As a physio, where are you on running on footwear? We, last week's podcast, I went into John Buckley Sports and we looked at the various running shoes available and we debated carbon versus non-carbon, extra cushioning versus non-cushioning. Like, Yeah, it's something I chat to people about loads and general advice if somebody is pretty fit and healthy enjoying their running and they're looking for a physio opinion on what should i get it, it really does come down to comfort you should be trying on a few different pairs the fit is important like definitely make sure they're wide enough you've enough room in the toe box at the top as well and they should just feel comfortable when you're moving around in them if you can do a little bit of running around in the, in the shop or get on a treadmill that's ideal but from the you know injury prevention side of things there's you know competing companies with different marketing strategies trying to get your money essentially but yeah you can kind of take it that comfort is king when it comes to, to choosing them you're the first physio i've had on so dispel the myth that running will destroy your knees and <laughs> your hips and all the rest of it in later life like obviously we're on the same page here um and at this point it, like it's it's not really up for debate like there's pretty good quality evidence now showing that in in population-based studies 
active individuals, including runners, are, are less likely to have osteoarthritis c- compared to sedentary populations. And there's often a disclaimer, because I've looked at a lot of the research, which says, you know, the sort of caveat is, if you feel there's an issue there, stop or get treatment or don't run on an injury. I think that's where maybe this misconception came in the past, because people just ran through it or they felt niggled and they just kept going. Potentially, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely not something somebody should be fearful of if they're thinking of starting running. There's no clear link between starting running and increasing your likelihood of developing near hip osteoarthritis. Um, there, there, there's probably debatable uh, statistics there on like absolute elite, uh, massively high mileage. But for 99% of people who run, that, that's not going to be in the picture. Like, And on the mileage side of it, Patrick, so what I'm, I suppose I'm learning and following a number of, uh, you know, elites on Strava, for example, people like Molly Seidel, who bronze medal at the last Olympics, is running a lot of her miles at 7.38 minute miles. So for me, it means I should be running at 8.39 minute miles, isn't it? So a lot, like I noticed, and obviously when she does her long run or her session, like they're amazing, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. 5.50 or six minutes. I think she did a 20 mile yeah, run at the weekend. That's a great reference yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> so isn't it that thing that, okay, if you're, if you're, if you're getting your mileage up, you, you've got to be conscious that a lot of those miles should be really comfortable. The classic kind of advice you hear or what's pulled out of the research is the, the kind of 80-20 split. And Which look, is look, 80% should be easy and 20% should be... Should be pretty hard, yeah. Um, but th- that comes from looking at the elites who have these massive volumes and it, it, it's a byproduct basically of them doing so much work that a lot of it has to be easy. When you try and translate that back to the likes of us, it, it still does hold true because does, yeah. if we know that we want to be running you know, four or five times a week, yeah. if two of those are tough, the yeah. others have to be... They have to be easy. Yeah. Best look. Thanks very much. Same to you. The RTE Running Podcast. So that was Patrick Carl, and as I said, you can check out his website and have a look at his social media channels. He's quite active on Twitter as well as Instagram. Gives some really good, practical, clear advice, as you can hear. Comes at it from a couple of different angles. So I'm going to give it a go for the next few weeks. Try and maybe do two 20-minute sessions a week at home. Can't but help, surely. Next up, our final contributor this week is, as I said, Dr. Mally Coyne, who's a clinical psychologist and she's also an author she is a runner as well we would have chatted about running a few times over the last few years i was interested in trying to get a sense of the extent to which our mind can impact on our performance to what extent can your mind tell your body to do things that you didn't think it was possible to do so this is dr mally coin I, I don't know if I'd describe myself as like a full-on runner, but I run, but I'm not like a competitive runner or like long distance runner. Why do you run? Why do I run? Um, it makes me feel good. I always feel better after doing it and it releases energy. I can get some pent up energy. I do a lot of like working from home. So I'm sitting down a lot of the day. And it's the quickest way to get out energy and to feel better afterwards. It just really, I just feel really good. And when you're running, are you processing things or are you trying to shut everything out? 
Um, I'm usually like if I'm running around where I live, I'm like looking around me and appreciating like the nature and what's around me. And I, I will obviously be having thoughts running through my head, maybe processing what I've done earlier, what I'm going to do later. But it's a real non-stressful kind of situation. And when I'm running in the gym, I'm usually just looking at the dial in front of me, which is quite annoying in a way because it, it makes it harder to to run a distance without thinking how much have I run and how much time have I done. But it's usually a nice, it's, it's a relaxing thought process. It's not a, a stressful thing at all. I, I don't even know what I'm processing at, at the time. It's interesting, like the running in the gym versus outdoor running, because I've only ever really ran outdoors. Is it because of weather? I don't, I don't know like for me it's a combination like it, it's to do with convenience so yesterday I couldn't get to the gym so I went and ran outdoors and I just needed like a te- I, I knew I had te- a 10 minute window so I did it in 10 minutes and that was it um when I'm in the gym I like to do weights I like to do abs I like to do maybe go into the jacuzzi afterwards so I will go for like a 20 minute 25 minute run to begin the workout And also in the gym, you can actually set your treadmill to do uphill fast walking as well. So that can be quite handy. So just talking in general terms about why it is running might make us feel good. We kind of know about the physical uh, benefits of running in terms of our physical fitness, our cardiovascular health, our weight management. And we all, we know that it makes us feel good, but we wonder why that is. And I, I was looking at that and, you know, previously we would have thought it was to do with the increase in endorphins, which we do feel when, when we, which we do have when we run, but actually apparently the endorphins can't break the barrier that goes into our brain so really what's responsible for that those feelings of well-being are these endocannabinoids the increase in those um, can reduce our anxiety and increase our feelings of calm and give us that runner's high that only some people experience after running um, it really depends on on who you are but definitely running has a dramatic antidepressant quality about it um, and is really beneficial for us, both physically and mentally. And then the other thing, obviously, with marathon training or any kind of endurance, I'm just kind of wondering how, mu- how much your mind can trick your body into doing certain things. The mind has huge control over the body in terms of like how much we can run, how much we can continue to run in the middle of a long race. Um, You know, our brain has huge impact over us with any type of difficult activity that we're about to do. And it can stop us from doing well when our brain kind of uh, has control over our minds that way. And that's why there's many ways of actually working with the brain to, to prepare ourselves and to keep us going during a marathon. Obviously, if I'm running a long run, I'm trying to stay as positive as I can. I'm trying to give myself positive messaging. I'm trying to reinforce, uh, you know, times when I might have when training might have gone well. I'm trying to remember that. But it is there will come moments where negative thoughts enter your head and you think just stop. You have to win that mental battle before winning the physical battle. They say that the mental battle is the biggest battle when you're actually doing something like running. Obviously, you know, your your muscles can get very tired and th- there can be the impact of that. But it's the mental battle is huge because when you have negative thoughts, 
it actually impacts on your body's response to those thoughts as well. So, you know, your 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 body is telling you stop, stop, stop. I remember doing my first 8K run and I and it was like, you know, you you have to stop now. You have to stop. Like every every ounce of your body is telling you to stop in your brain, but you're you just have to keep going or else you have to find strategies like okay I'm not going to stop but I'm going to slow down Mm -hmm. there was a couple of really nice mantras that I found um you know that people might use uh might use when they're running like Confucius would have said it does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop or the secret of getting ahead is getting started Mark Twain there's lots of them start where you are use what you have do what you can so whatever mantra can be helpful to you I guess the self-talk is really important giving yourself a pep talk as you're running maybe even like sometimes when I'm in the gym and I'm finding it hard I might kind of say to myself like Mally like be grateful that you're actually able to run but there's other strategies like breaking it up having many goals like even saying to yourself okay I'm going to break this run into into so many uh distances or times and when I get to that um trying to even just get to the next goal or trying to convert miles into minutes goals using imagery can really help um another thing I I found was like playing a counting game so like how many white you know white items am I going to see between now and the next goal so like if you're running in the street that you would do that that's really interesting. Like often, I think you, you end up making all these side deals with yourself. Like I will stop, but I'm going to get to that tree first. Yeah. And then when you get to that tree, look, I'm just going to do another mile and then I'll stop. So it's your, you're making side deals and breaking them with yourself all the time, Yeah. which is great. And it probably keeps your mind occupied. The counting game, I know a good few people who will do that. They'll count to 100 and then they count back from 100 okay. if they're finding things really tough. Um. The other thing I find as well is that in training, if I I try and not stop or walk in training at any point on a run, because I feel if I do that in training, if I give in to that mental urge, I'm going to do that in a run, in a race. Mm-hmm. Um, really? During the training itself? Yeah. When you give in to that voice, because that voice will be inside your head the whole time saying, just stop, just stop. It's like you're having this like, you know, you have the devil and the angel in your head as you're running. I'm sure you felt that. At what point does something that's maybe a passing or casual interest become an obsession? And when, because obviously if you're going to train for something like a margin, you're going to be out there six days a week and you're going to prioritize running sometimes over lots of other things. So at what point do you have to start worrying about it? I'm not talking about me personally, obviously. Okay. (laughs) You know, it's becoming an issue if it's impacting on other aspects of your life where you're less able to do the other things or spend time, say, with your family or do your work or or else you're kind of consumed by thoughts of if I don't do this, then I'm not going to feel good enough about myself. Do you know that it becomes kind of an obsession? I mean, I know from having had an eating disorder myself when I was younger, overexercise was a huge part of that. And, you know, uh, exercising, running, whatever it was, I couldn't sit still. So I knew suddenly it was like I said, like it was like my mind was a dictator. So it was like, these constant thoughts of you're not good enough, you're not going to achieve if you don't keep moving. So I think, you know, like it could be a tendency towards like um, an eating disorder or else like an overexercise where that that is a, a problematic thing. It could also be where 
you're talking about the benefits of running. So for some people, it can be really as something that increases their social status as well, where they feel like, oh, you know, aren't I, I'm great for being a runner. I like to identify myself as a runner or else um, I want I'm really competitive it could be hugely competitive people thing for some people where they want to keep reaching those goals but when any of that just takes over too much and it impacts on other aspects of your life you know that's becoming more of an issue so I guess it could be the root of the eating disorder root or the overexercise root and you're trying and what is the motivation behind that you just have to ask yourself what is my motivation here and if I don't get running today because I'm sick or because I'm just not able, how am I feeling after that? And am I still OK? So when I was having a look at the mental benefits of exercise, obviously exercise has a dramatic antidepressive effect. It blunts the brain's response to physical and emotional stress. So actually, stress is an interesting one because many of us in our lives experience a lot of uh, stress from the many tasks that we do. So going for a run can really help with that. And I know for me, for instance, right now, when there's a lot going on with the kids and with work, giving myself that time to go even for a quick run will definitely reduce my stress levels. So that's really helpful. But the cognitive benefits of running, I found this really interesting in terms of preventing cognitive decline. Brian, you'd be delighted to hear this. And also voluntary exercise is the single best thing one can do to slow the cognitive decline that accompanies normal aging. We all know running can be really good for our muscles and for you know, our, our, our physical well-being as we age, which is obviously a concern of mine as I age and we all age. But the fact that it could actually help you with your cognitive, with your cognition is incredible. And I, I just think that's another reason why people, it's a good idea to take up running, even short distance running, and, and to have that as a, a kind of a, a pastime that helps you with overall well-being. Great stuff. Thanks, Emil. Um, have you signed up to any races? Sorry? Have you, okay. signed, up to any, have you signed up to any races? No. Another thing, actually, Brian, is that like running with other people can be like really helpful. I know you've said to you've said that to me before, um, but and for you've people, ignored that advice. No, I haven't ignored the advice. I've just like um, I've just haven't had the opportunity. I don't know where there is running clubs near me or haven't looked at them. But you know what? Yeah. That's another advantage of running in a gym is that you actually have people next to you. I actually know some of the people from having, you know, spoken to them. Yeah, well, there's one aspect of running shoulder to shoulder, particularly with men. It's probably like the men's shed where people really talk uh, sometimes when you're on a long run and will tell you things that you definitely wouldn't have told you over a cup of coffee or maybe if you're out for a drink. You know, it's very interesting that how people open up. And that's a non face to face thing, right? It's kind of like yeah. shoulder to shoulder. You're engaged in another activity. And also when you think of it, like emotionally, you're quite vulnerable, I would imagine, Do you know, like physically you're vulnerable. So you're you're grappling with your emotions throughout that run. And so you can see how that might facilitate the communication between people. And I think it's so important between men that you guys can talk like that. Great stuff. Thanks, Mel Mali. Appreciate you talking to me. I know you're very busy. You're most welcome. And that was Dr. Mali Coyne ending pretty much this week's podcast hope you enjoyed it thank you all for your feedback 
thank you for your questions. Hope to get to some of them next week and the week after. So that's about it for this week. Mind yourself on the roads if you're getting out running. Talk to you next week. The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. 